I do think Eastern Washington is going to be pissed, and I really think they are going to take it out on Idaho. I am looking forward to telling Chris Hammond Idaho is not that good. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't think it's going to be very pretty for Idaho. So I'm looking really forward to this weekend. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me as always, I have TJ and Brian. What's up, Vandals? Good to be here, man. And we have friend of the pod, the boat, the best of all time, Alex the Boat Boatman. Uh, how, how are you doing today, Alex? I it's been a good weekend, so I'm pretty happy. Uh, yeah, I can't, I'm happily surprised. Yeah, we, we have a couple spies. We heard... You and Linehan and the the crew were having quite the time down there on the sidelines. Yeah, it was a fun time. I'll, I'll have some stories about that. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're not going to waste any time because we know everybody's super excited to just get into this game and hear about the Vandal victory this week. Uh, but we want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local Idaho causes, even right here in Idaho. They donate their profits to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. All right, guys, 35-27 over number 11 in the country, according to Stats FCS, the most reliable pull out there, the Eastern Washington E-Woo Beagles from Cheney. Uh, I, I don't know how to hide it anymore. Let's discuss. Alex. Welcome yeah, to the podcast uh, again. Tell us, yeah. what about this game, man? You know, um, it was awesome. It was good to be back in Moscow. It's actually the, the only home game I'm making all year, so I couldn't have been happier. Um, this Idaho team before this week was kind of tough for me to put place a finger on. Uh, you know, Penn State was an interesting game. Central Washington, I think the scoreline was deceiving a little bit. And they go and play a Wyoming team that was really damn good. And I knew Eastern hadn't quite looked the same. Um, you know, I, I work at University of Washington now, and I, I was there at that Eastern game and when they played UW. And Eastern looked, even though it was Washington, Eastern looked, was missing something. Um, Idaho came out from the get-go, and I don't think I've seen a defensive performance since like that since 2017. Um, I don't think I have seen an overall team performance like that since we kicked Colorado State's ass in Boise on a cold December night. That's what this game kind of reminded me a lot of, a team who – might have more talent in Eastern that just kind of thought they're going to go in there and walk all over us. And everyone in Idaho and in the black and gold wasn't having it. And they came out inspired and just, just played one of the best games of their careers. And so I'm just really, really hoping uh, that's kind of a preview for what we have for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I know a, a ton of Vandals after the game. That That is exactly what it was compared to was – the the Colorado State game. They're saying this is the best win, the most fun, the most exciting it's been since 2006 when we or 16. Wow, 2006. That'd be a really long time. 
2016 since we beat the Colorado State Rams. And similar feel. You know, Colorado State was supposed to be this really good team that was supposed to just wipe the floor with Idaho. But Idaho just came out and they wanted it and, was, you know, it had the fire. And, I mean, gosh, they, they blew Eastern Washington off the lines. I'm right in front of the, the offensive line meeting area for Eastern. Those guys were coming off the field every single snap, huffing and puffing. I might have taken some cheap shots heckling them because the dome was so <laughs> quiet. They definitely heard me and had one guy just death stare me. So I'm like, yeah, you know, you're six seven. I'm probably going to sit down. But, um, man, that game, it was just so much fun. Um, there, there are negatives from it, and, you know, we'll, we'll cover those too. Uh, we're, we're not totally wearing this with silver and gold eyeglasses on. But as far as being a Vandal fan, for those of us that were up there, and I hope the ones that tuned in on route, it, it was by, I mean, it felt like 2016 against Colorado State. Yeah, I know you kind of alluded to in the preview some sideline action. So, you know, down guys on the sideline, you see Matt was back in town. Rico was there. Armand. Let's see, Zach Bapis was down there. Colton Thrash, some guys who just played. And I think so. We're all standing together uh, on the west end. And after Idaho scored their second touchdown, I go up 14 nothing. Coach Petrino kind of comes walking back up the sideline by himself and kind of looks over at us and gives us a smile and a thumbs up. And I, at that moment, I could tell he was at some of the happiest moments of his life. That, that that's rare right during a game. Yeah. <laughs> you never you see really that. in it. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a slight little smile and thumbs up. But, uh, it was rare. I saw. I never really awesome. saw him doing that as a player. It was rare. So I, I watched the. the guys. I, I watched the post game comments. You know the, the interviews, and mm-hmm. I loved. I loved Mason Petrino when he's talking about the fifteen yard unsportsmanlike, and he comes off the field and he, he talks about how he looked back and you think the refs were looking, and then he goes he he gets that penalty and he went right up to he sees Matt Linehan came over and talked to him and he goes how many times I mean you acted like you were bullying in the end zone I did like the exact high <laughs> step you did. Straight. And you never yeah. got 15 yards. I do it one time. Uh, so Mason said he's going to stick to high fives from here on out. But uh, yeah. what a what a show. Bri- I was going to see that from Mason. Brian, the curious from your point of view, because you and I were the guys, we got to eat crow this week. We didn't think there, that this was going to pull off. We both said there was a chance. We executed a game plan as possible, and we, we went out there and did that. They executed Petrino's game plan. Got a little close at the end, but we did. And I want to know from your, your positives on the game here, what, what did you see? What did you love? So on the offensive end, no question, I was astounded at how good our def- our offensive line looked and how inept we made their front seven look. Um, I was pretty close to the sideline, and um, Rashawn Johnson and Andre Carter, man, they were getting huge holes to run through. But in addition to that, I mean, neither of those guys were going down without a couple guys hanging on to them. Um, I was – man, I, I hadn't seen Idaho dominate – you know, the through the offensive line like that. And may, I don't, I have no idea when. Um, maybe back in, I could probably go back far enough as in like when we made the 2009 humanitarian bowl. I was floored because uh, Eastern Washington, their record doesn't show it. They're certainly not a bad team. They had some injuries, uh, but any football coach will tell you injuries are part of the game. Um, and it's not like Eastern has, you know, D3 guys as backups. It's They have talented guys as backups as well. So the offensive line, you know, they gave uh, Mason also a, a, a lot of time. Um, the other big offensive thing that I, I think uh, we need to see for Ida, if Ida is going to be good, we're going to see games more like this, uh, which is when we put Mason Petrino in third down and second down, and it's, you know, second and four, uh, third and three, his, you know, he, he does have limitations in terms of stretching the field, but he's an accurate passer. Um, you know, he we converted... 11 out of 16 third downs and a ton of those 
I think a lot of Idaho fans should have been pretty damn confident going into those third downs that, yeah, of course we're going to extend drives like that. And that was part of um, how we dominated the first half is not only were we converting easy third downs, but those were long drives that were keeping Eastern's offense off the field. Um, and then, you know, when Eastern was on the field, it's not like they, they didn't do great at all in the first half. But um, I haven't seen Idaho dominate a half like that in a long time. I, ha- I Seriously, I had no idea for part of the game how the hell to react. Yeah, you know, and I think there's one thing we definitely have to cover. And then, TJ, I'm sorry, we, ha- we haven't gotten you to able to talk yet. But I know you've got a lot of things you want to say. But I just got to cover this early. Um, you know, there's this kind of myth out there. And it was evident even on the Root Sports broadcast, which I was able to rewatch. And they finally have an app um, last night. But they keep referring to all of Eastern's injuries. And Idaho was also out five starters. I confirmed this with Colton Clark of the Lewiston Tribune. We were missing... Coyote Rufia, you know, starting a defensive end. We were missing our starting corner in Cedric Thomas. We were missing Noah Ellis. We were missing our right guard in Connor Verba. Like, it's not like Idaho wasn't hurt as well. Now, I know they're missing, like, an all-conference player in Ojuo, but uh, it's it's still, you know, I hate how this whole narrative has been that, like, Eastern is bad and Idaho only won because of injuries. Because Idaho had injuries. Injury, I mean, uh, Alex can attest this. Injuries on the offensive line are usually pretty hard to overcome. Because there's such a gel with that unit, and you might have a guy who's a stud that comes in, but there's something to be said about taking snaps consistently next to the same guy and knowing kind of how they're thinking. And then the fact that we also had those injuries on defense, including two of our best defensive linemen and a starting corner against Eric Barrier and Dre, Dre Sante Dorton and uh, Andrew Boston, and we were still able to hold that offense to zero points. So defensive injuries or not, Eastern's Washington's defense did not execute and did not play well in that first half. So injuries aside, their offense still didn't do anything. So I'm tired of hearing this Eastern Washington was injured crap because Idaho was injured. Every team's injured week four. And you know what? All their de- all their injuries were apparently on defense. And guess what? Our, our offense might have took advantage of that, but their offense did not take advantage of our injured defense. So I, I want to get that out there. TJ... Did we cover everything you want to say? No, I feel like you've got thank, usually unique takes. Thank you so much for saving me for last. I appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to go up, go ahead and uh, set the stage for the whole day. 12 o'clock start for the Vandals against, against Eastern Washington, which you know we've talked about previously was, was kind of a pain in the ass. The Montucky flag flew at, I believe, 1045 in the law parking lot outside the stadium. And a whole lot of Montuckys. For those of you who were there, you've Frickin' enjoyed it. It was a great time, great tailgate. Yeah, shout out Taylor Cash, yeah. uh, Dan, I can't pronounce your last name, it starts with an N, yeah. uh, Cameron. Jamie. Uh, yeah, Jamie, um, who we'll also mention later because she's in the Pick'em. So, yeah, we had a great crew of people kind of show up. And a whole Eastern people. pack full of Eastern people who seemed a little hesitant when they showed up. And I, I know some Vandal fans were too, but there was one guy who was confident, me, as we were going in the Dome. So as we're picturing this scene, pick a side you want. So I was on the general admission side, Chris and Brian over there on the... Uh, on, I think Brian's on the student side, on too. The stu- okay, but you were, you were over on the season ticket side. And Boatman, down on the field. Any spot you want, just picture it. Just a dominating first half. Oh, my freaking goodness. It is really, really hard to explain and describe what that feels like, even now. I mean, I was trying to take notes about this game and try and talk about it, but wow, it, that was truly amazing. Um, both on the offensive side, I know we touched on it a little bit, the offense moved down the field, um, but the defensive side, I mean, we had the FCS Defensive Player in the Week in Charles O'Connor, 
But that was honestly because of a full defensive front. I mean, their, our secondary played great. Our, our linebackers were all over the place. And Charles was able to, you know, make these sacks against Eric Two Gloves Berrier um, for Eastern Washington. And it was so fun to watch. And I think coming into that second half, um, you know, uh, I think we're a little shell-shocked, even the team itself. Um, so, you know, we handled it well. It, it got a little close at the end, but wow. I mean, that was that was something else that no one's ever seen before. Um, so for those of you who missed it, get back up to Moscow. For, for our asses to drive all the way over from Seattle and, and check these games out every week, uh, I think you're missing a team here in, in 2019 that, that has something to say in the big sky. And it really, I have no points after that just because, I mean, I'm so hyped about it, I don't even know what to say. All right. Well, you're definitely positive, um, <laughs> which is a good thing to be. We deserve to be. Mm-hmm. You know that that's how we were in 2016. Let's ride this momentum. Like I said during Wyoming, sometimes you can think things into fruition. This is that time. That being said, there are some negative takeaways from this, uh, and, and one of which uh, Coach Petrino admitted to honestly in a, in his post game conference where he kind of coached not scared. I won't say scared, but he coached not to lose instead of to win there in the second half. He, we, we were looking more to run out the clock, hope the clock would tick faster, uh, and Easton was able to battle back into that. And that's a lot to do with Aaron Best. Obviously, he's not a bad coach. He obviously would come out of halftime with some good game plan of his own. But uh, a lot of people that uh, might not know any better, you know, if you didn't watch the game or check the score until the end, it doesn't look like as big of a win. It, it looks like Idaho – snuck out a really close, hard-fought game all game, and they didn't see the 28-0 halftime score. So, you know, getting outscored in the second half, I mean, does anyone have any, you know, thoughts on on how we the second half played out? And uh, I'd love to hear probably Brian first on this one. My takeaway from the second half is we saw, and I, I feel like we saw this through the entire game, is on defense also, you know, our, our front seven uh, really uh, did not give Eastern much space at all. The big stat I'll point to is Eastern really tries to have a, a balanced offensive attack both through you know both on the ground and through the air and eastern rushed the ball 32 times for 95 total yards uh, we really did not give them much space and a lot of those uh, rushing yards came on a, a couple a few eric Berrier scrambles uh, there they were not able to regularly move the ball on the ground in the way they want to um, now conversely the good news for us is you know last year we got annihilated by any team that could pass the ball we did not get annihilated this game. We obviously won. Um, and in the first half, uh, we were able to make it a lot harder on Eric Berrier, although he also did miss some. He also had some pretty bad misses mm-hmm. um, that I think were more Eric Berrier just on a bad pass. In the second half, he found some space to operate. Uh, that Eastern started moving the ball a lot more through the air um, in the second half, and they looked a lot more like the Eastern Washington team that was walking all over uh, Jacksonville State. So I guess the takeaway I have there, I'm sold that our front seven is strong. I think the jury's not yet in on the secondary. It's definitely better than last year, uh, but it's unclear if what they are is okay um, or if, if they can be more. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts? Any negatives you saw from that game? I know you have more insight than Coach Petrino's mind than any of us on this podcast and most people that will listen to this probably. Um, I mean, what do you kind of see out of the, the second half game plan? Yeah, you know, I mean, he definitely did uh, call more conservative in which he does not want to do. Um, I know Coach Retrino, if you ever pay attention to Idaho football, Coach Retrino always takes the ball to start off the game because he wants the offense to have the ball. 
Um, but I think, you know, what he did is he trusted his defense. He trusted his special teams. He trusted his offense to keep grinding out the game and run the clock. That's what that shows me. A good example, as I look in the first half, we're up 14 nothing. And as Gusev going for on fourth and one at their 45, he punts the ball. And Cade hits a beautiful punt, coffee corner, as we call it. Um, and the defense gets a three and out. We get the ball back because he trusted his team. That's exactly what I saw in the second half. Eastern came out with the ball, started out, had a really long drive to go score. Took him like four or five minutes, which for them they do not want to do. We turn around with a six-minute drive, and that's exactly what Coach Petrino wants. And that's something that the sun, that the big sky compared to the Sun Belt, if you start paying attention to games, the big sky is a lot of spread out, kind of go, 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 go. The Sun Belt is line up, and everything's going to be slow, grinded out football. He might not have been able to spread the, throw the ball around as much as possible. However, we still played our, I think, to our game plan. We still dominated up front on both sides of the ball. We punted the ball three times on Saturday. I want you to think about that three times. We punted the ball 11 times at Penn State. That's how much our offense was holding on to the ball. Mason had one mistake the entire game. Um, and so I think, you know, you clean up that, that basically gifted them, you know, maybe that comeback a little bit is that pick because then you gave them the ball pretty easy territory for them to go score and kind of get things a little closer. Um, you know, our secondary – you know, I mean, I definitely think our front seven is probably the best part of our defense, our secondary. Uh, you know, I think Lloyd's a great corner. I think some of our safeties, everything I've heard about our safeties um, this year from our guys is that we are definitely, I think, more improved um, in our defensive backfield this year than we were last. Sometimes it gets kind of hard to kind of, I don't know, stay up with uh, how it's going, to stay up with the game a little bit when you are up 35 to seven and 13 um you know not that i'm saying that's an excuse to go to sleep but as a player uh it gets tough to kind of stay with it a little bit so you know they in eastern was throwing up kind of lucky completions on fourth and you know fourth and long and just scoring out of nowhere and they got out of their game plan and we kind of got out of ours but a little bit but you know i think we just need to stay with it more um from beginning to end but i think that comes with being in a game that's a more competitive um there's not many negatives to take away from this game. You know, maybe just stay a little tighter on the back end, and then I would say, Mason, you know, don't make that throw. Don't get a little greedy on that uh, on that interception he ended up throwing. I, I think those are honestly all great points, and um, I didn't get a shout-out who I watched the game with, Colin Hughes, who was there at the tailgate too. Um, but as we walked into the second half, you know, we thought, what type of game are we going to play in this second half? And you kind of think back to – I mean, honestly, you think of playing NCAA, are we going to play this prevent defense where we just let everything happen underneath us? And it wasn't necessarily that, um, but it was not our normal, you know, this is a tight game, let's stop them on, you know, second and third down. It was, we're not going to let anything go over the top from us. And yeah, we did have that big play that led up, um, but that's such a good point. I mean, that's what our offense wants to do is to eat up eight, eight minutes of that clock and um, yeah, they, they, you know, the, we saw some of the best athletes in the big sky and watching Eric Berrier throw that 40 yard bomb on fourth down. It was very impressive. And, you know, he could have done that all game, but our defense shut it down. And it was just kind of a little tune up for second half of how, you know, we had never been in that situation before, especially against a big sky team. So it, it was interesting to see. And that's kind of how we, ha- kind of how we handled it. Um, you know, second half was just let everything in front of us. 
Um, but it ended up paying off, and I, I kind of love what you said about the offense. Eating up that clock, that's how we want to play. That's how we've always said we're going to play for this season. Yeah, you know, this had uh, – we nailed it kind of in the beginning, and I believe it was Alex who brought that up, that he, he, he shades of 2016, once again, this felt like the potato bowl. Idaho, I remember saying, like, I did, was not cold for one second after halftime in that game. Wow. I was so happy bouncing around, and that's how this game felt. I had to go outside – because one of the eastern people that came to our tailgate left their cooler in my car and they wanted like they needed a beer and so i went out and got them and um but you know then same thing as eastern i i or as colorado state i came back in and i'm still happy um and i i will be the one that admits this now i i was trying to lie about it at the tailgate after a couple of montuckies but uh i definitely was the one who tweeted from the tubs of the club account at the Eagles Athletics account who has been talking shit to me for three weeks about this freaking game. Uh, is it too soon to start a day since Eastern Washington's beaten Idaho? Yada, yada, yada. And how and, too soon is too soon? Well, when they the put quarter. 14 <laughs> points back up when you're... Eight you're, minutes left. We Chris. had like a 22-point lead, and uh, I was like, yeah, we're safe. We're, this is going to happen. So, yes, that was me. But, you know, it shades to 2016. It kind of crawled back into it. Uh, but it felt kind of the same way in 2016 of the team already had. I mean, Alex, you'll know. Didn't they give you guys hats with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter at that game? Like, uh, yeah, it was. It was. I think I was wearing that thing with the last five minutes of that. Whole yeah, game. like the the potato bowl. But I've announced it to be over before it was over. Yeah, it was. You know, and that's what this game felt like to me. I was down. You know, I was down there on the sideline and. It was just like let them score, you know. I mean, we're gonna win this game. That's, I mean, yeah. it's not let them score, but that's that's the thoughts. It's like this this doesn't matter at all. This let's get this over. game we over kick, and freaking go party. Ass. I need to go let's get to the club. The parking lot and uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to go have Montucky at the club. So let's get this game over with. Yeah, and uh, to bring up the shades of 2016 one last time because I had to turn that into a great transition. You know who has guts and looked a lot like someone who used to wear number ten for the Vandals. Mason flip phone Petrino. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely balled out this My game. My dude. <laughs> I, I kind of said that on, I don't know how many people listen to Kyler's podcast, but one thing I noticed, I did have the luxury of watching Eastern Washington last year um, when they went to Frisco. And one thing that ate them, it seemed like almost every time it was third and long was a quarterback draw. And then we noticed it the little bit we were able to actually keep our eyes on when we were trying to watch Wyoming, Idaho. Uh, Cooper for Jacksonville State hit him with a bunch of draws. And, and, and so I knew it was something we'd be able to do, and Mason Petrino was the absolute pers- perfect person to execute that. Now, we didn't run it as much as I wanted, but Mason Petrino probably had one of the better games he's had with his legs in a while. He, I mean, he executed perfectly our game plan, little short slants and hitches to Cotton and Cottrell Haywood, who in my goal-to-go piece was somebody I said I expected to step up in this game and someone we need to step up for this season because he's – a phenomenal wide receiver who's kind of been quiet so far this year. Um, but Mason Petrino just absolutely – and you saw it in his press conference. It was – you know, Paul brought it up how people seem to hate him and, uh, you know, someday people might say that he's actually a good ball player. Well, this is me saying he's definitely a good ball player and I don't think – I <laughs> we don't want to talk too much about this. Nobody hated Mason Petrino. That needs to be said. It was more – whether he was the right quarterback for the job and the situation that Paul had put him in. But, yeah, Mason Petrino has always been told is a good kid, and he absolutely showed that he's a great football – well, he's a good football player in this game. If he can continue this, I will label him a great football player. But I'm not going to judge a guy on one or two games, but absolutely has guts. He's taking all the heat. TJ, I know you have a story 
I, I don't know if we can tell it, but, uh, you know, you, you were nice to him and you kind of, he was nice back, but you said there wasn't a lot to talk about. And all I could think about is like, this is that kid who's all these people are telling him for all this time that he didn't deserve the spot. And now he, and now everyone's patting him on the back. So I kind of see where he's coming from with that. Um, but I don't know anybody else take away. I mean, I, that was a gutsy performance. In a way, he, he was the – I mean, Charles O'Connor balled out. But if you could have co-MVPs, I mean, Mason just I, – I think the confidence is – Not is having a, to look over the shoulder. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And we run plays that are meant for Mason Petrino. And it, it works really well within that offense, especially with our wide receivers, Jeff Cotton, uh, Cottrell Haywood, and Andre Carter uh, – or the running back, Andre Carter. They work, you know. They're, that whole defense is thrown off by where the heck's the ball going to go? You know, what read option? Is it going to go left? Is it right? Is it a fake? Is it a run? And that works great for him because if he makes, you know, what Brian Marshall would call a completion, then... Well, the nation would call it a completion. Yes, then, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, that, that works for them. And we can chunk down the field. And I think that was a big thing. We run those plays uh, for Mason Petrino, and I think it works really well. Um, for those who don't follow us on Twitter, go ahead and check out Tubs of the Club. I am wearing a Macy Petrino homemade jersey. Um, it's awesome. You can see my, my happiness and joy in, in how big this win is right now. Uh, Brian, you just wore a shot there because you and I are going to be the big crow eaters today. Uh, what's, your, what's your response? What was your well, – Let's be positive on Mason, but if you got a shot, I'm take it. I reject the premise of eating crow because I, what I talk about, broadly speaking, um, I try to always have a couple of data points to reference. Um, I'm happy that Mason had what I believe is the best game I've seen him play, um, as a you know as a Idaho Vandal. Hey, North Dakota was pretty good last year. Yeah, yeah. So it's either this or North Dakota are the best games we've seen. Um, now I will say, part of the reason people, including people on our show, were critical of, you know, of Mason Petrino as quarterback. It's not like we didn't have a year of tape of him being underwhelming. So I'm, I'm happy that he had a very good game against Eastern. Um, I will say, as com- for comparison, Eric Berrier had, for him, a bad game, um, or a not great game for Eric Berrier. He was still 60% completion, 365 yards, um, three, touch- three total t- touchdowns. Mason had three total touchdowns, uh, 240 yards, but he was 70% completion. Um, so just as a reference point, a not that great Eric Berrier game is comparable to Mason's best game ever. So I just don't want to, you know, go off the deep end um, and pretend we got like an all league quarterback because we don't. But for the game plan we had, he did quite well. Um, it's really important for us to keep him in short yardage situations because when he has third and four, he's dangerous in a way that third and nine, he's absolutely not. Um, so broadly speaking, I guess, you know, again, I'm, I'm happy that he does well. I want our team to do well. I want all the guys to do well. Um, it was great to see him have his best game. I would love to see him repeat this a few times before I think anyone should have their opinion changed. All right, Alex. One of the things uh, Mesa brought up in his conference was though the media and the talking heads like us here on this podcast might seem to give him a hard time, there's nothing but love in the locker room. There's nobody better we could ask about that. I mean, give us a thought. What would you see out of his performance, and how does the locker room embrace Mason? What does the outside have wrong? Yeah, um, you know, I think it kind of everything stems from last year. Last year is a tough year, uh, and I think what kind of gets lost is that in the locker room, as players, we didn't. It's not like people were Team Mason or Team Colton. It was we were Team. We want one guy who we can get behind and get in there and get consistent reps. Because I think you talk about look at games that Mason played all the, the whole time. North Dakota win. You look at at Montana State. You know. 
missed call by the refs on a PAT kind of boils that down to maybe being a win. I think that was what everything everything and everyone wanted in the locker room is okay. Tell us, tell just tell us who the guy is. Tell us who the guy is, and we're gonna go out there and we love everyone. Doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter if it's Mason or Colton. We're gonna go out there and compete our ass off for whoever it is because we love everyone. Um, that's when he sees there's nothing but love. There, I mean, that's exactly how it is. And I know Colton has nothing but love for Mason and vice versa. They love each other. You watch Colton up walking up down the sideline. You know, talking to Mason, being congratulatory. Same thing when, when Colton was playing and Mason was on the sideline. They love each other. That's that's a tight knit group and tight knit room. Um, you know, kind of talking about his stats. You know, I think I'm looking at him right now. Eric Barrier, 11 runs for 20 yards. That's kind of a big sound I'm looking at compared to Mason, 10 runs for 60 yards. Um, has legs, kind of play more of an, a factor. But he just looked most comfortable. And I think I was saying this Saturday night. I don't think. Uh, there was a much better time to be Mason Petrino in Moscow, Idaho, uh, for that except for that Saturday night. That was probably the best time in his life to be Mason Petrino in Moscow, Idaho. These last few years, it just kind of takes a weight, takes a weight off of, you know, your shoulders and off your, and off of your chest as a team. Uh, you know, you're tired of hearing, you know, you're tired of seeing stories and people on the internet, you know, talking about oh, you know, Corner Club Mason, trivia you know, names. Mason, what's up? Corner club trivia names. I've heard that too. Yeah, uh, you know, you're just tired. You're tired of, you're tired of hearing stuff. It just gets, it just gets to be repetitive, and so I think it just, it's just happy. It's, it's good to be happy for once, and kind of everyone just to be on, you know, and not be so pessimistic. Not that you know the show is pessimistic, but you know sometimes I go online and read, read forums, and even after we win, people are still pessimistic about the situation. Oh, yeah. Sometimes all vandals is all, a dark hole. It just, goes, yeah, it's it all really pessimism. Is. And so, you know, it's tough. It's just like, you know, I just, I just want to be happy uh, once. And so it was good to finally be happy. And I feel so happy for Mason. I so, feel so happy for the team. You know, that's a kid that, you know, I've had the – was a teammate with for three years. You know, I spent some time with him Saturday night at a local um, watering establishment. Hole. <laughs> uh, good kid. He just, you know, had a smile on his face. And I feel good for – feel happy for, you know, Coach Trino. And I feel happy for his family, you know, uh, his wife and his daughter. And I, I know that people say that. It's like, oh, but – you know, I mean, everyone's family. We all are family in that program. So it's, it's just good to feel that. And, you know, I still, even though we kind of have a little swagger to us right now, I still think everyone in that, in that locker room and in that facility still has a chip on its shoulder after last season. Yeah. Because, and- you know, everyone after last season was talking, oh, you guys, you guys suck. What is this? You know, how is this team? You guys were in the FBS. Like, oh, we're so much like the big sky's better than the Sun Belt, basically. It's just like, it, you know, I haven't said this much publicly, but beyond last year's team was tough. It, it, it was tough kind of as a kick in the teeth um, when you're told that, you know, basically in 2017 you have a team that probably should have gone to a bowl game and didn't lose a conference game by more than six points. That's including to a Troy team that beat LSU. That's including to App State teams that win nine, ten games a year. And we were ahead in both of those games until, you know, not going to a bowl game in 2017 and basically being told that, hey, now you need to go down and play you know, FCS teams all the time. It's just kind of like, man, I don't want to be here as much. It's just, it's just, it's not as fun going to, to Davis, California sometimes and playing in front of 5,000 people as, as it is going to Boone, North Carolina and playing in front of 25. Yeah. Um, it was just a tough, and I think this team kind of has finally shaken that, this shaken that feeling. And it was never going to be a smooth transition from FBS to FCS, it never was going to be. It kind of, it needed some time because we still had our seniors on last year's team. We were still, 
you know, guys who had played in the bowl game and contributed a lot in 2016 and had been on 2015, 2016, and 2017 when we basically went 500 in FBS, and now it's like you're down at FCS, and it was, it was really tough. So I'm really happy that this team – this team's going to scare some people. This team is a tough team if, you know, they limit mistakes and they – they kind of put some, you know, just learn and keep growing as a unit. This is going to be a really tough team in the big sky, especially with the schedule, not to downplay our schedule at all, but I'm happy we don't have to play Montana State. I'm happy we don't have to play UC Davis, you know. Um, yeah. It's just we, we're really lucky with that. Yeah, and uh, one last point to end the Mason has guts segment here. Um, you know, I'll never call him Coach's Kid again. He's at least elevated from Coach's Kid at quarterback to at least – a starting FCS quarterback, and we'll see where that takes us for the season. <laughs> but two things to continue with your stats argument that I want to end this on, and if you're an Eastern fan, sorry. Uh, one, I don't know how you made it this long. Props to you. But what are what are three things that are two things that Mason Petrino gets the most crap for? Wearing two gloves and being <laughs> small. Well, guess who else wears two gloves? Why does everyone give Mason crap? And then they say Eric Berrier is the best quarterback in the FCS, and he wears two gloves. Not even that. Eric Berrier's height, six foot. Mason Petrino's height, six foot. Eric Berrier's in cleats. <laughs> in cleats. Uh, but, hey, it, you know what? It's not our fault Eastern doesn't. But this is from Go Eags and Go Vandals. So it's not our fault yeah. Go Eags doesn't uh, measure their <laughs> players with their cleats on. But uh, six foot. Eric Berrier's weight, 195. Mason Petrino's, 208. So for so being that bad. tiny quarterback, Eric Berrier, the best quarterback in the FCS, is smaller and wears two gloves. But on to a couple more quick points because, I'll just to be honest, Northern Colorado, we got a preview, but this Eastern Colorado, does, or Eastern Colorado, pretty much the same thing. Directional. directional Washington to the nice. east of Central. Shouts out, Tyler. <laughs> This is an emergency alert. 9,000 reported missing students. September 21st, around noon, from the ASUI Kiwi Dome. Last seen at class, Friday afternoon. If found, please approach, as they are assumed to be harmless and hungover. If found, please report them to Joe Vandal. Thank you. This is the end of the emergency alert testing system one last negative as you just heard and we were interrupted by there was an amber alert issued on saturday for the moscow student section huh. I, don't, I don't know where the students were uh i it kind of filled up there for a little bit and then they went away and i'm not saying the alumni did any better but the alumni most of them don't live in moscow you students, 9,000 of you on campus and another, like, 2,000 undergrads, so 11,000 students, I, I don't understand. I, it was Saturday at noon. There's no way you were passed out drunk. There's, I mean, maybe you're studying for a test, but that's what Sundays are for. Why were you doing that? You have the number a level because we're, yeah. we're educated here nice. at the Harvard of the West. But, uh, you know, like, you're playing the number 11 team in the country, and some of you left at halftime. You leave at halftime when we're beating, like, freaking Cal Poly by 45 or somebody that isn't very good or a D2 school or, like, when we're in the FBS when we're beating, like, North Dakota. 
You don't leave at halftime. When we're playing the number 11 team in the country and we're up 28-0, you stay, and when we win, you storm the field. That's what you do as a student. And I don't know where you guys were. It was sad, and I know that the alumni weren't there, but as I said after the Idaho – or not the Idaho State game, when I compared us to Idaho State, we played Central, I made the trip this time, so I can bag on all the alumni too – you know, I'm driving five hours from Seattle. Most of you alumni w live in the same distance. Not a lot of Boise Vandals. I noticed that. So all you down there in the Treasure Valley, what's up? Uh, I know you all have your blue and orange freaking shirts on now because you're all a bunch of turncoats. But it's time to freaking pay attention, all right? That crowd was absolutely pathetic. We tried to brag to our Montana people on the Big Sky Podcast Network. And all they keep saying is, well, what, like the 4,000 people that watched Idaho win? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. how am I supposed to argue that? Because none of you showed up. But uh, anyone else have comments on the crowd before we move in the polls? Yeah, yeah can <laughs> let me jump into this? Uh, as someone uh, who was pretty upset about a certain Chuckle Stavens decision, uh, yeah, this is exactly what you get when you move down to the FCS. People don't give a rat's This ass. was supposed to be a huge game. This is why yeah, we moved to not, the FCS. Yeah, it was for these regional rivalries, and guess what? We're just Nothing. losing more money. We're just losing more money. And our new president and our new AD were out there in the parking lot. Shout so out Terry Gallick. We saw Terry. Shout yeah. out Terry. Terry. We saw her. That dad, adds trailer. So, I mean, you know, good. that's something that is amazing. I never saw Pete do anything like that. So, the president and the AD are on the right path. They are doing the right things. But... You know, I thought going down to FCS was supposed to bring back these regional rivalries that people cared about. And everyone said, oh, I'll show up when you guys play Eastern and Idaho State and Montana. And where the hell are you? No, they got a chance. We got Idaho State coming up. They better freaking be there. Load of crap going down to FCS for yeah. that reason. And so, I know, thanks, thanks I know, Chuck. I know Brian has a different opinion on that. But, Brian, I mean, what, what's your thoughts? Try not to get too much in the FCS, FBS argument. But, I mean, you're, did you have a thought on the crowd? Yeah, my thought on the crowd, I mean, it does relate to the FBS, FCS thing. Um, Scott Green referred to the lost decade. Um, dude, the, the, our entire FBS experience was a lost two decades. It was, you know, 20 years, and we had, uh, you know, it was we had five winning seasons in 20 years. We made three bowl games. Um, I do think the, the drop-down was a big deal. Um, but, you know, had we, had we not been so bad for so long, we would have had a conference invite. Um, there's just there's no way around it. If if we if we had a product that another conference want wanted, and you know, hey, the jury's in. No conference wanted us. That was part of why we moved. Um, but I do think with the drop down, it was it was not only it was obviously tough with the drop down itself for enthusiasm, but dropping down and then being very bad last year. Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge amount to swallow, and I think that rebuilding the fan base because of the drop down, it's going to be a multi year process. Yeah, we're going to have to have this conversation. We'll mark it on after the football season, after we've been to Frisco. Knock on wood. I have a glass <laughs> table. but Because um, Brian and I have, and we, we could talk about this for a while. There's a lot more um, to go in that. I'm, but, I'm sure Alex could talk about it yeah, a long time. Maybe, we'll, we, yeah. well, maybe this will be one of our postseason. We'll get us, Brian, Alex, Sean, and we could get this on. But as far as the students, you should have been there. I'm, I'm really pissed yeah. off you weren't. Let's try to make this quick because, man, this is going long. And we do have a bit of a Northern Colorado preview, um, including an interview with Aaron Rath, the voice of the Bears. Um, but real quick, poll movement. Um, in the FCS stats poll, which is widely considered the most accurate of all of the voting polls in the FCS, it's pretty much the FCS equivalent of the media poll for FBS people. Uh, God, everything comes back to that. 
But um, we were receiving votes after the Eastern Washington win. They were formerly ranked number 11 in the FCS stats, and obviously we beat them. They stayed in it at number 21. But we were um, getting uh, mentions in that to the uh, tune of being ranked the equivalent of number 34. And if you look at the poll we put up on Twitter for you guys all to answer on whether being ranked 34 was considered too high or too low, 23% of you that think we're too highly ranked at 34, 36% of you thought we were too lowly ranked, but the majority at 42% thought we were ranked just right. And that's good for 115 votes, and technically that could change because there's still over 15 hours left on the poll. My mistake on my math on the time of day. But uh, so most people think we're right about where we should be, or some people think we're we're too low in the polls. I want to know what you guys think. Thirty-four in the stats poll. We're number sixteen in the Tubbs at the Club's official poll of versus sports computer rankings, which are computer generated, which have had us actually no lower than thirty-second, I think, the whole year and most of the time in the top twenty-five. And then even a small little bit in the Big Sky Podcast Network's power rankings, Idaho jumped from I believe nine to number five this week. Uh, are we the fifth best team in the big sky in a power ranking sense? And are we rated too high, too low, or, or just right? Uh, let's start with Brian, since you do the power rankings. Yeah, so the number five is a little misleading. The east, So Eastern Washington, Idaho, and Sac State uh, were five, six, seven, Idaho being five, um, Eastern being seven, I believe. If one person would have changed their voting order, those three could have reshuffled. So what, what we have is Idaho in the middle class of the big sky right now. And I think that's fair. You know, we we probably need to win a few more Big Sky games before we sell, you know, the F- FCS voters, you know, FCS at large on this is a this is a team that's, you know, going to compete for the playoffs or something like that. You know, we, we need more evidence. Again, like I referenced with Mason earlier, it's not like we didn't have a year in the Big Sky of looking pretty bad. Um, so we do need to win a few games. But. Um, I think the jury is in that this team is a lot better than they were last year. So in the middle class, the big sky is right. And I think a, a little bit on the outside of the, t- of the top 25, but easily moving in with a couple more wins is about right too. Yeah, I think, I think you're right with, um, the, you know, obviously outside of that top 25 poll. If you look at when Eastern lost to Jacksonville State and the, the switch that Jacksonville State Eastern took, you know, after that game, Obviously, there's quite a bit of movement with every win and loss there. Um, I don't know if that has to do with the quality of teams or who they play. And another thing to look at was this was not a conference game, which also makes it interesting. As far as going into that, you know, the Big Sky Power Rankings, um, I know we talked about a little bit on the drive over there. It's, you know, what team looks scary to play in conference. That obviously has nothing to do with what the... the Stats poll. Yeah, the stats poll has, but... You know, I think I think we're honestly too high in that ranking. I think after beating Eastern Washington, who was in the championship last year, that's something to say. And and I think Eastern's going to have a good rest of the year. And for the, as far as the Big Sky uh, power rankings, we're a scary team to play after winning that game. Yeah, that middle class, NAU, Sac State, kind of, and Idaho kind of are question marks to me. Um, you know, we all play each other at the very back end of the year, so that's kind of – that's very um, interesting to see how we're going to do that late November schedule. Yeah, you have to, I think, give our rank. We were ranked kind of out of respect for uh, Easter, out of Eastern success the last few years. Um, I still think it's really interesting that uh, Eastern's ranked 21st in the country, but that could be another conversation. And, you know, I put this game was huge. The fact it was a non-conference, um, 
you know, I can tell you that this game was almost against Drake and not Eastern. Uh, we didn't, there was kind of, you know, talk that Idaho and Eastern didn't want to play each other in a year we didn't have to. Um, but yeah, Paul was uh, not a fan. He mentioned that in his post conference. Paul, Paul was not a fan. Um, so I could, I can kind of tell you a little bit. So me and uh, Tim Mooney, he's kind of in charge of scheduling a little bit. Um, I interned with Tim Mooney for a little bit and him and I were looking at games on who we could sh- should schedule for this in this weird 12th, uh, 12th game year that we get in the FCS every few years. And you saw a and tweet from Tubbs oh, at the club about uh, how it should be Eastern Washington and that's how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, kind of him and I were look him and I were looking. It was like Merrimack was an option. Drake was an option. Um, there wasn't much out there and it was like, why not play the team 90 miles up the road, uh, especially at home. Cause they're willing to come here and let's get a sixth home game. And I'm really glad that uh, coach Petrino decided that that was the right, right option, right move, because I think this win is going to help us. Cause now it's a, when it, it's not just win six games and go to a bowl game, everything's now a resume. Everything yep. is now a resume. And so, you know, we need to take care of our own business moving forward, but this winning against Eastern is big. And so I think um, I'm happy where we're at in the polls. I think it's kind of, I think I voted too low because, you know, I just want to see us up there as high as possible. But yeah, I think we are trending in the right direction, but it's kind of a wait and see right now. Yeah. And my take on this is pretty much uh, everything you heard on Big Sky Big Takes. And if you didn't listen to it, then that's the reason to go listen to it. I think we're a little high in the power rankings. I actually still had us down around eight. You know, I, I think that was something that's uh, – I'm – how I vote, at least how I'll describe to people is if you played a seven-game series against these teams, who would win? You should beat every single team below you in a seven-game series, and you should lose every team above you in a seven-game series. I'm happy with Idaho. Nobody knows anything because it's not conference play, so it's okay. They got room to grow. But everybody else um, had a real good chance to, to move up and move down. With that, it's time to finally preview – our number 16 Idaho Vandals at Northern Colorado, who's 0-4 in their uh, versus sports simulator ranking is 114th. Their mascot is the Bears. They're located in Greeley, Colorado. Their stadium is Nottingham Stadium, which is 8,533. Coach Ernest Collins is somehow, people give flack that we still have Paul as a coach. You're talking about people that give people too long. Ernest Collins is on his ninth, ninth season. He's 26 and 62. A fun fact that other than Colton Clarks, who we shared today or what was that Tuesday on Twitter, they were D2 power in the 1990s. They won two national championships actually in I believe 95 and 96. So you know they're a Mike team. Mike Bresky was there. Yeah, they did I see? Boom! Fun fact too. Wow, J- we gave you JD Johnson was playing at the time. We, we gave Director you three operations. Yeah, we there gave you, you three fun facts on them, and boom, fourth fun fact: Vincent Jackson went there. Anyways, the game time is noon, and you guys know how I feel about that frowny face. Noon kickoff, the worst. You can catch it on WatchBigSky.com, Eleven Sports, and our favorite streaming network, Pluto TV. We uh, now have an interview for you with Aaron Rath, who is actually the voice of the Bears. Then after I talk with Aaron, the rest of us will be back and kind of discuss what we heard from Aaron. All right, everybody. I have Aaron Rath with me, who is the voice of the Northern Colorado Bears. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing excellent. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could have you on. I know uh, our listeners might be kind of familiar with you because you've been, you know, you're a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network as well. Been a part of the Big Sky Big Takes, but you know, we, we're traveling down the Grizzly this weekend, so we figured it'd be a good chance to get you here on Tubbs at the Club and kind of get your opinion on the game before we all talk about it here in just a couple seconds. 
you've got a couple good players, a couple star players. You've had NFL talent come out of there before, like Vincent Jackson. Uh, who on the 2019 Bears is somebody that Vandal fans should be aware of and they'll probably notice while watching the game on Pluto this weekend? Well, obviously, I think you got to start off by talking about the quarterback, Jacob Nip. While his stats don't really show that he is a star player, he is he is NFL quality. And if he wouldn't have gotten injured last year, he probably would have been one of those um, late round draft picks or probably more uh, appropriately a, a undrafted free agent signed to a practice squad. Kyle Sloter, who uh, right now plays for the Arizona Cardinals on the practice squad, previously with the Vikings and with the with the Denver Broncos, was actually Jacob Nip's backup the year that he had his great year. Jacob Nip went down in game number two, in play number two, and Sloter came on through for over 500 or 400 yards in that game. But Jacob Nip is just as good a quarterback. He sees the field well. He's got a great arm. He, he doesn't make mistakes, and he's a true leader. And then beyond him, you know, the, the Bears are starting to get their running game going. Milo Hall uh, wears number one is running the ball really well, averaging almost 71 yards per game. He's had a couple really good games. He had a good game against Washington State, ran for over 100 yards against a, a Pac-12 team. Last week he had about 75 yards. The week prior against Sacramento State, they, they shut the Bears down, and he really struggled. So those are probably the two biggest two when you start talking about the receiving core. Uh, probably the best on the receiving core would be Willie Fairman. He's he's the fast guy on the outside. Dante Warren is the athletic receiver. Doesn't have a lot of catches, but he's very athletic and he's very strong. And he's able to go up and uh, get the tough catches. Anybody on the defensive side, uh, you know, our offense is coming off two of their better performances in uh, this season so far. Uh, I know you guys have had some struggles giving up 50 to Sac State, but, you know, we gave up 79 to Penn State and then had a rather good defensive performance our last two weeks. So uh, who are some of the defensive guys that will be trying to trace down uh, Mason Petrino and cover some of our wide receivers and running backs? Yeah, so so really on each level there's a couple solid guys. I'll start on the defensive line, and, and really Eddie Gonzalez, he wears number 53. He's kind of that energizer bunny guy. You'll see him come in and out of the game, and he's done really well the last couple games. Um, a freshman that has really hit the scene and has really uh, played well, especially last week against South Dakota, number 95, Joe Golden. He um, had a couple sacks and really played well against against South Dakota. And then the leading tackler for the Bears is a senior linebacker, Luke Nelson, uh, had his best season last year with 79 tackles, I believe he had. He's already has 34 this year. He has an interception and a forced fumble. Um, and then on the backside of the defense, it's really led by senior Michael Walker. His stats really don't show that he's having a good season. He's got a couple pass breakups, one more, and he'll tie the record for pass breakups in UNC uh, as a career here. Um, he's got a quarterback here. He doesn't have an interception yet. He's got 20 tackles, but he's the lone senior in the defensive backfield. Everybody else is juniors and sophomores, so he's really that 
that leader from the back. And like I said, Luke Nelson's kind of the quarterback of the defense. He's he's who the uh, defensive coordinator will lean on to check out of defenses and, and move guys around. Nice. And, you know, Idaho's coming into this one with a, a lot of confidence, but going into just one week ago, not a lot of people gave us a chance against Eastern Washington. Now it seems like everybody's giving Northern Colorado almost zero shot against Idaho. Now we broke down with Kyler Neal on our show last week that, you know, all it takes is a certain amount of things to go right for any team to have a chance on Saturday. What, what, do you think the Bears are going to have to do? What should their game plan be, and how well do they have to execute it to get away with a W this weekend? Well, first off, I want to say congratulations to the Vandals for pulling that big victory. I mean, that was a big one. Uh, I would have to say that I was on the bandwagon, that I didn't think the Vandals had a very good shot, but they came out and executed perfectly, and and, and I'm I'm happy for them. I'm glad they beat Eastern Washington. For, for me, offensively first, I would say this being now, this would be the fifth game under new offensive coordinator Nick Fulton, and the Bears are still learning this offense. And last week against South Dakota, we really started to see the offense open up downfield a little bit more, throw some throws over the top, through the middle, uh, behind the linebackers in front of the safeties, and that stretches out the defense. And I think they're going to have to do the same thing this week. They're going to have to allow Jacob Nip to throw some into that into that zone, kind of behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. And what that does is it shifts the defense, right? The defensive backs now have to go more to the outside. The linebackers have to worry about the tight end or the receiver on that crossing pattern. And then that allows the run game to kick off. And if the Bears' run game can go and Jacob Nip can throw for a couple hundred yards, that's exactly how this offense is built. They really have done a good job in their first four games controlling the clock and, and, and having more time of possession than the other team. And you know the old adage, if you're not, if the offense isn't on the field, they can't score. So the Bears really just need to complete long scoring drives and be able to come off the field with touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to do it. I think they got to get touchdowns. And then on the defensive side, obviously Idaho is just is just built to for success. I mean, I, I think as people look at this Idaho team, they didn't give them a lot of credit. But, you know, as you look down at, at this Idaho team, first off, you know, the Bears are going to have to have to understand where Mason Petrino is. Well, he doesn't average very high yards per game at 181 he's got a receiving core and, and a, probably one of the better receivers and when i was on the show a couple weeks ago for the for the big sky i took jeff cotton as one of my receivers and i think he's a he's a good receiver and the bears are gonna have to know where he's at and stop him and then obviously the two big running backs in carter and johnson i mean those two guys are beasts they don't average a lot of yards but if you put them together, I mean, really, they're one running back, right? They just go back and forth between each other. And they're so big that they just punish the front seven of the defense. The Bears are going to have to be able to take take those guys away. It, it, but like I said, they've got their work cut out for them because they've got, you know, four or five players on the offensive side of the ball for Idaho that they really have to know where they're at at all times if they're going to want to shut them down. Yeah, so I know we're going to have a lot of vandals coming up to the game this weekend. We, we've we got a pretty large fan base down in you know Denver, Colorado, and then even that 
for the some of the Southern Idaho Vandals and Salt Lake Vandals, it's it's a drive that's worth doing uh, if you don't have a chance to make any other away games this year, like up in Montana. So when the Vandal fans come to Greeley, Colorado, I know it's got some great mountain biking, but what, what else should Vandal fans expect on game day? Where are some of the, the good haunts where they can go pre, pre-game, post-game, maybe grab a meal if they're staying in town? and uh, uh, what, what kind of bear traditions should they check out on game day? Well, actually, you guys picked the perfect weekend or the schedulers were in your favor when they picked this weekend for the Vandals to come to Greeley. This weekend is the 8th annual Oktoberfest in downtown Greeley. So on Friday night, it opens up. They'll have the kickoff on Friday night in downtown Greeley from 5 to 10. Uh, They have great beer, brats. uh, There's games. There's a concert. And then on Saturday from 11 to 9, the same thing. And, you know, if you're not from Colorado and you're not familiar with Colorado, Colorado is a really good um, uh, beer place. Lots of local breweries around here. And really, northern Colorado has has some outstanding uh, breweries. And those breweries, a lot of them will be out at October. Oktoberfest. It's hard to say, <laughs> um, but that's in downtown Greeley. So, so that's a big thing to get out to. And then there's just so many good restaurants in, in Greeley. Um, when you start talking about local stuff, um, if you're a, if you're a beef eater and you like steak, my favorite place to go to is Kenny's Steakhouse. It's a, it's a locally owned um, steakhouse. You know, it's not like one of the chain places like Texas Roadhouse or something like that. It's locally owned and uh, re- very reasonably priced. I like to go there and get the prime rib, so uh, I would highly recommend that. You know, and then there's there's just all kinds of, of good restaurants around around the place. Uh, Greeley Chop House um, has has great food as well. Um, but like I said, if you get to to Greeley and you on your phone, you get on Google and you type breweries, you're not going to go wrong. You'll find lots of Lots of great breweries, and where there's a brewery, there's usually a good hamburger or steak to go with it. Yeah, and uh, our podcast being Tubs at the Club, you know most of our listeners are drinkers, so <laughs> they will yeah. enjoy hearing that. Um, yeah, Oktoberfest is the place Octo to be. Oktoberfest, good to know. Um, are there any, like, uh, northern Colorado kind of traditions? Do they do, like, a, you know, a walk to the stadium? Or I know when I went to Montana State, I was told, like, you know, an hour and a half before game time or whatever, you want to go out by their field because the whole team marches arm in arm down to it. And I don't know, just or anything like that. That if you're trying to kind of see what Northern Colorado, the university is all about uh, for football team, uh, is there any cool game day traditions they should be aware of and be excited about? Well, I think one of the biggest ones is more aimed towards the students of Northern Colorado. Uh, the Pride of the Rockies is the marching band from Northern Colorado. And they will march through the the school campus and play and kind of like it's kind of like a call to arms, right? Get the students out, get them down there. And you know, this year, th- last week was our first home game, and uh, it was really it was really a good tailgate weekend, probably the best one I've seen in my four years of involvement here at Northern Colorado. So you know, there's always good room for tailgating, hanging out. You know, I know I know. On the field, everybody 
in the big sky is is enemies and i put enemies in air quotes right because Mm -hmm. you're enemies because you wear different colors but you know before the game and after the game there's no reason that that people can't hang out and and tailgate together and have a good time in preparation for the football game i totally agree with that and uh i I hope a lot of vandals do make it out there and do get to check out all the awesome places you gave us and get to check out kind of the band like you said marching through campus uh, real quick before we let you go, we, we'd be uh, there's two more things we need from you. One of which is a score prediction, if if you'd be so gracious. Wow, so that's a really hard one. I'm I'm not very good at it, and typically when I pick someone to win or someone for fantasy, they have a really bad day. Um, but I think this is going to be a really close game, and I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think both teams' defense is going to step up. I think the Bears will will figure out how to slow down Petrino and Cotton, and and I really think that that uh, Jacob Nip is going to get the offense going. I think the Bears have a shot at getting their first victory of the season this year, but I'm going to go with a low scoring game. I'm going to go 20 to 17 Bears. Okay, I like it. You gotta you gotta have pride when you go on another podcast. I I picked. Eastern Washington to win on ours last week, but then when I went on to the Eagle Power Hour, I picked Idaho. So I, I, <laughs> you got to represent when you're on somebody else's show. Um, yeah, real quick, also before we have you go, well, how can the people find you? I know a lot of people might be able to tune in and, and listen to you this weekend, but you also have a podcast of your own. So if they they loved you on this interview and they love you calling the game this week, how can they get some more of you? Yeah, so Troy Coverdale and I have a podcast. It's called Troy and Aaron Bears All. You can find it right now on 1310kfka.com, but it's about to hit iTunes and all the all the big places here in the next in this week. It should be starting to hit those places as well. Um, you can listen to us at 1310kfka when you get into Greeley, or you can catch us at 1310kfka.com or 1310kfka on TuneIn. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Rath underscore UNC. All right. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping for a good, healthy football game. Yeah, me too. I hope it's going to be a good game. And, uh, and uh, go Bears. All right, guys. So we heard Aaron's interview. Um, he's taking the Bears. But we, we, we've got some discussions of our own. And before we get to our score predictions – um, he also gave us a lot of good eating places. I would definitely try the pork chop place. But um, I want to hear, what do you guys want to see out of the Vandals in this game? What What do you expect? Uh, let's try to keep it kind of short because, I mean, we are running long, and this is a game that probably most people aren't super stoked about. But it is a game, and that will kind of lead into, I think, some of our takes. But let's start with Brian. Vegas Brian, take us away. Going over Northern Colorado's schedule, in games that are comparable to Idaho. So I'm subtracting them losing to WSU. Northern Colorado has been outscored 99 to 24. In FCS games, they've played two. They have been outscored by a total of 64 to 6. This is an important game for Idaho, not because I think Northern Colorado is close to as good, good as us, because they are not. Um, it's important for Idaho to start the conference season out with a win. It's important for us to get on the right side of 500 for, I believe, the first time since we've been in the big sky. Um, and this is a team, Northern Colorado cannot move the ball. They are a matchup dream for us. Um, so Idaho 
to me, this is an important game, not just for Idaho to win, but for Idaho to dominate. Um, all right. Uh, Boatman, what do you got? What, what do you yeah. think? You know, I was looking, you know, looking back at their schedule, um, kind of like Brian did, you know, uh, Sac State dropped a half a dime on them and they put up a goose egg on the board. Um, this team is exactly what we would like to play against. Uh, I think if we can, can kind of control the ball, time of possession is big, control the line of scrimmage. But this is also a classic sandwich game. We come against it. We just went against Eastern, ranked 11th in the country at the time. The weekend after, we play Weber State, which is top five now, yep, I want to say. They're number five in the stats, and they play number nine Northern Iowa this week. So, so they could uh, be a, top three if they win. Yeah. This is a classic sandwich game. So, you know, this is a game that you cannot take lightly. I hope our guys are more just fired up to go and play. Look at the weather, 80 degrees Saturday. So could not ask for better weather. However, grass field there in Greeley, it's something we do not encounter much, except when we go back to the Penn States of the world or the Floridas, but those fields are manicured. This is more of like a high school field. Um, So I'm kind of interested to see what that has to do with uh, our footing and how our O-line and running backs deal with that. Um, I hope we just can kind of control the game and just kind of, it's going to be a very similar game plan, time of possession and run the ball and Mason just kind of game manage and make smart plays. All right, TJ. I think these uh, last two games will we'll round off this third game, um, Wyoming Eastern. And then now um, we kind of just do that same thing where eat up clock. I don't think it's going to be too high, high of a score as we had last game. Um, but I'm not too worried about that grass. I'm not too worried about the elevation. I think that grass gets our fast twitch muscles going. Uh, nice SDC shorts. Yep, thank there. you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it'll be a little bit closer than we expected. I know Chris is worried a little bit more about a trap game. You said a sandwich game. Um, I would just like to focus on this week and then obviously reevaluate for Weaver. But I, that is something that they're looking at is – this is, you know, one of the the bottom teams in the big sky. Let's look past this and look to Weber. But, you know, I think we come out with a win. But, you know, still, it'll be a little bit closer for comfort. Yeah, I mean, you kind of just ruined my take there. That's a problem with talking to you uh, outside of the podcast. But, uh, and just in general. But, um, yeah, this, I, I do think this is a trap game, and I called it in the preview show. I did predict that we would beat Eastern Washington in the preview show. And for that very reason, I said – Northern Colorado, spooky-ass place to play. There's not going to be a lot of people there. Uh, Alex nailed it. Uh, Moscow High has a better pedicured field than Go Greeley, Bears. Colorado. Um, it, it's other going bears. Other Bears. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, it, man, you're coming off an emotional victory. You're going to a weird place, a team you've never played before. Uh Man, I think you said it too. There'd be like a hundred people there. It's kind yeah. of weird too. Well, okay, there might be more than that. That was sorry. That, come on, that, now we're public. You can't be saying that stuff. Best. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a, it, it's a it's a tough place to play. I do after the Eastern game have a change of heart. Maybe how it happens, but yeah, I'm I'm a little worried. I think this is a bit of a trap game because. Uh, it's Greeley. It's kind of nowhere. I mean, it's right by Colorado. It's practically a suburb. But, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Um, but with that being said, let's just hop into – oh, the one thing I will say, if we win this, for everyone that's concerned about those polls, I mean, they brought this up in the last segment. If you're worried about polls, just oh, – sorry. Whoa, there's the vandal horn. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
handle Northern Colorado. 50 to 0 like Sac State did. Screw that. 51 to 0 be better than Sac State at their place instead of in Sacramento. And then you need to handle Weber State next week and win. You've got them back home. You beat Northern Colorado. All those people we were just insulting. We just heard this podcast and they're driving up the goat trail from Boise. That dome will start to resemble something. And then, then you can get top 25 votes. If you, you're not going to get it beating Northern Colorado, but if you ride that momentum and you get a, an environment in that dome, then you will have people there for Weber, giving us a shot to beat possibly top three Weber. Even if they lose to number nine, Northern Iowa, they're probably still in the top 10. Although, who knows with stats FCS? They drop people willy nilly all the time. Jacksonville State went from eight to unranked in week one, but I have enough gripes with the stats poll but uh you know you beat them they're probably top 10 then you can get your top 20 votes but uh score predictions the versus sports simulator has a 29 to 10 idaho win probably not what a lot of people are expecting for how bad northern colorado is portrayed um we heard aaron's prediction alex what do you think the score is going to be 24 13 idaho all right tj i'm gonna stick with versus simulator 29 19 sit on it uh, I'm <laughs> I'm going to keep the momentum rolling here, and every time I predicted a Vandal loss, we've played really stinking good, so I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to go 24-20 Idaho loss, and before you at me at Twitter, I'm doing that because, as we all know, TJ's a big juju and superstition guy, so keeping that part going. It's a trap game. I predicted it in the beginning of the year. My predictions so far played out right, but they could be wrong now. Um, Brian, what are you predicting? Before I could ever predict the miracle in Greeley of Northern Colorado scoring 24 points when they've scored six points in eight quarters in two FCS games, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say Idaho should dominate this. I don't think the score is going to be, you know, huge, uh, because this, this team is not going to score like 52 points very much. That's just not how we move the ball. I'm going to say 31-13, but if you watch the game, it's going to feel as though it was 49-10. to 10. All right, well, all right. Take the under. Find, <laughs> yes. find the total and take the I under. I believe it's 49 right now from five oh, yeah, times. Oh, yeah, hammer that. Yeah. Do you wish Idaho had a better national image? Do you want Idaho to find the next great coach and maintain all the great ones they already have? What about winning more Big Sky and national championships? Well, these are all things that your local Vandal Scholarship Fund is a part of. All that and much more while fulfilling its very important mission of making sure that all student athletes are rewarded with a scholarship. There's nothing, there's no better time than now to give to the VSF. The ICCU arena has broken ground. Our student athletes are reaching historic marks and highs on the courts, fields, pools, and most importantly in the classrooms. Show our new leadership how proud you are to be a Vandal and the legacy of leading we have created uh, and how excited you are to help. Donate today to the VSF to help reclaim Idaho's lost decade. Corner, stool, takes, Brian. And Alex, I don't know if you heard last episode. We've opened these up. They don't have to be game predictions. So, Brian, show them how it's done. Corner, stool, take. Northern Colorado is by far the worst team we play this year. Yes, I'm counting Central Washington. TJ. I honestly got nothing. I have no cornerstone takes this week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's allowed, it, but 
Uh, the podcast is going long, so thank you. Um, even though that took longer to explain than you just giving a corner stool take. Yep. Uh, my corner stool take, I know I used it last week, but uh, I already ranted on the students, but freaking noon kickoffs, the effing worst. Big Sky, not everybody's in the mountain time zone. It's not 1 o'clock for some of us, all right? No more noon kickoffs. Absolutely ridiculous. Brian, or Sorry, Alex. This Idaho team is not going to lose a game the rest of the year. Oh, Ooh. Ouch. That's a hot take. <sighs> but Mike regular just got season. one. Go fall off regular, the corner stool. Regular season. <laughs> Alex, yeah, someone's had too much. That's a fall off the corner stool take. Many <laughs> to, be, to be clear, Alex, you, you did make a reference to gambling, and this is only because I have concern for your well-being. You haven't put any money on that wager, have you? Absolutely not. You leave it to Vegas, okay. Brian. That's great news. Great news. That's, that's illegal. I work for the NCAA. <laughs> Even better news. Easy new Heisel. You dub shots. Uh, all right. Uh, now we're moving into hashtag AskTATC. Uh, we haven't uh, – God, once again, we're starting to get a lot of these. So maybe new, probably not. Um, at CapDan, so C-A-P-D-A-N, 58, Dan Martson. Hashtag ask TATC. Andre Carter looked like a man amongst boys on Saturday, trucking his way to two early touchdowns. Saw him head to the locker room on TV and was hoping for an update on his condition. Plus, can we keep running the ball like that going forward? Alex, I have no idea what his condition is. I don't know if we're allowed to update what his condition is, if you do know, but... Uh, I thought he finished the game. So, Alex? I had heard he got hurt. I have not heard from anyone. Uh, that's one that I probably have should have inquired about by now. But I'm not 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 say I'm not too concerned, but we have a good stable of running backs that uh, we can rely on. So, I think it's kind of a next man up mentality. So, Roe looked great. Nick Romano looks good. Um, you know, maybe they can lighten the load on Andre a little bit this week and maybe help him get healthy a little bit moving forward. Uh, and do you think we can care, keep running the ball like this? Just freaking bullying people? Yeah. If, yeah. The, if the old line blocks like that, then why not? Uh, TJ? Yeah. Um, sorry. I, uh, Andre must have heard me not give him a nickname last week. That's why he felt like he had to run you that mean well. Andre the Hitman Carter? <laughs> the Hitman Carter. Um, that was honestly so fun to watch him play. The old line, you know, he gets a lot of credit. The old line gets a lot of credit. Um, I, it looked like he jogged off, so that was a good thing, but you're right. We do have a, a plethora of running backs, but we need him, and, and especially in the long run for this season, hopefully he's back. Yeah, mine's easy. We're deep at running back. It seems like it's a new guy every week. If it's not Carter, it will be Roshan, or it will be Romano, or heck, I heard Bamis is taking snaps on defense, but, you know, we, we're deep. Brian? My thoughts are, it's if we're going to be good, it's important that we can continue running the ball. Uh, Northern Colorado is not a, is a team that should not be a problem for us to run against. No one has struggled against them thus far. South Dakota, their only close game, they rush for they rush for two hundred yards against Northern Colorado. So, I, I think it won't be a problem this week. And if we're if we truly are in the Big Sky's middle class, it needs to not be a problem, regardless of whether Carter's playing or not. All right, and then this one we meant to do last week, but it's even better this week. Shout out to the myth, the man, the legend, Taylor Cash at Idaho Grown T Cash. I, if we had a podcast just talking about the night after the win, I could go all night. Taylor Cash and Cameron, shout out to you guys. You guys hung out with us the whole night. That was 
Actually, they went longer than us thanks to a couple eagles we had with us who couldn't hang. But uh, what a win. Uh, anyways, he asked us last week and then re-asked it, but I told him we would do it this week. Hashtag ask TATC. Who does the Idaho win say more about? Idaho being good or Eastern being bad? I, I don't think it says much about either. I mean, you know, in a game we dominated, we won by eight points. Um, it Eastern dominated um, a lot of the third quarter, though they didn't score enough, um, and they definitely dominated the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think I'm not sold on if we, you know, you made you gave the seven-game series example. Um, I'm not sold on this team beating Eastern in a seven-game series at all. Um, but what it does tell me is, you know, last year Idaho was in the bottom tier, the Big Sky performance-wise, and it told me that we played a team that can pass the ball, the type of team that killed us last year, um, and we looked infinitely better than we looked against any team who could pass last year. So what it tells me is this Idaho team is a lot better. There are some consistency issues, uh, but I don't know. I, I think a lot of the consistency issues are things that can be fixed um, and that they're not necessarily personnel issues. Uh, what it tells me about Eastern is they're definitely con they're experiencing a lot more growing pains than they thought they would with the number of seniors they had to replace last year. They lost around 20 graduating seniors from last year's national semifinalists. Um, a lot of these guys had experience, but um, you know that they should have beat Jacksonville State and they collapsed. And I, I guarantee Eastern fans. I'm not saying I agree with this statement, but I guarantee Eastern fans feel like they should have come away with a win. Um, so what it tells me is Eastern definitely has some pretty serious consistency issues. Um, and, you know, the bigger deal for them is they enter conference play with no FCS wins. You know, for them to make the playoffs, they might just have to win the conference championship or not make it. This is a team that came from the national championship last year in Frisco against North Dakota State. And, I mean, that's a lot to say to beat that team straight up. I mean, <clears throat> it, it, it is... That's a huge win for the Vandals, straight up. Um, and it's it's really, it's, yeah. I, I just honestly don't think there's a lot to say. I think that's bigger for the Vandals for a straight-up win over the team that was in the national championship last year. Um, Coaching-wise, player-wise, mentality-wise, I mean, everyone at the start of the year thought the Vandals would not even come close in this game. We predicted last week that this would be nothing except for me. And, yeah, I think it's a big win for the Vandals. I predicted it in the preseason show. That's a lie. Alex? Uh, another hot take. This Eastern team is a fraud. This, this team does not do service to he what TJ's cornerstone take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, is not, this team has not done service to what Eastern has become. Um, one thing I heard is that Eastern summer workouts only had 20 players show up this summer. It's not mandatory, so only 20 guys show up. Idaho, it's not mandatory. I'm kind of putting it in quotation marks. Um, you know, and this Eastern team kind of has some issues. I think it shows more about them. I think it kind of exposes them a little bit. Um, I don't think they're mentally uh, team-wise where they were. I think they kind of feel a little entitled. Um, and so I think it shows Eastern is almost a fraud, and it shows that Idaho – Kind of feels like there's some badasses right now, but I love some of the post-game comments. That's kind of what this Idaho team shows me is they're ready to kind of get down with anyone and not scared of anyone at this point. Oh, they were so fiery. What Christian Ellis say, like, we wanted to, like, beat them, bury them, and then... Put them in the ground. Yeah, we want to beat them, put them in the ground, and then bury them ourselves or something just like... Can I say something real quick? Yeah. 
we felt embarrassed by Eastern last year. We felt embarrassed by Montana last year. But the game that we want revenge on is freaking Idaho State. That game, Ooh. we felt so terrible. It's because they're we bad. Felt, we, got, we got embarrassed. We felt like that was not us. We want Montana. We wanted Eastern. But that Idaho State game, I'm telling you right now, be an ass whooping on the 19th of the dome. Ooh, that's the next game I'll be at. Actually, I take that back. After this performance, I might be going to Weber. But uh, my my outlook on this, t- 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 Idaho grown tea cash. One, you were more fun to hang out with. And, no, that's not true. The game was pretty good. But you were, our, you were, you were a blast. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, great fit listener. Shows more about Idaho. Um, I, I'm actually on the opposite of the fence from Alex on this one. Uh, I, I do think Eastern's good. They got some stuff to figure out on defense, no doubt. But they'll finish just fine in the Big Sky. They have a really easy Big Sky schedule. They could easily win out and win the whole whole freaking banana. But they'll probably be tying it with us. But uh, Idaho, this was when was the last time we beat a ranked opponent? You know, enjoy this. Idaho played great, and like I said earlier, the whole Eastern Washington was hurt. Crap is so overplayed, and they even called us little brother on Root Sports, which is just. A freaking insult. It's like they don't even know the freaking record in this rivalry. It's now 16-7. to 7. Uh, So, you know what? Like, be whatever it is. I get it. Eastern went to the national championship last year. It's been rolling in the FCS for the last decade and a half. But guess what? Idaho wasn't in the FCS the last decade and a half. And I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it right now. F Montana being back. Those Texas wannabes. Idaho is back. <laughs> like, the FCS should be scared. Idaho is about to be rolling. And then when they're rolling, we have some of the best facilities. Our coach is one of the highest paid. I, I'm telling you right now, North Dakota State, we're not quite there, but give us a couple more seasons. This showed a lot more about Idaho. If they are ready and awake like they seem to be this season, let's, let's just hold off on judgment. But I, I think this showed a lot more about Idaho than it did about Eastern. I think Eastern will be just fine. I think this is more a wake-up call to the big sky especially that – Hey, you know what? Idaho is not going to be a freaking cupcake walk game this year uh, unless it's snowing in Bozeman and freaking October 3rd. But, uh, <laughs> which might happen. Yeah, which might happen. It actually snowed in Spokane today. Um, but let's move on to our Big Sky Pick'ems, which TJ won last week going 9-1. and one. Myself, Brian, and Kyler went eight and two, so big win, TJ. Thank but you. uh, you're still trailing the all-time standings. It is thirty and four for TJ, and then Brian and I are both tied at thirty-one and three. Alex will be picking with us this week, and let's start it off. We got NAU traveling to probably going to snow in Bozeman against number fourteen, the Montana State Bobcats, my adopted team. Uh, I don't think the Bobcats lose at home Whoa, this week. Whoa, you finished first this week. Oh, man. We start myself, Brian, you, and then, first, out, last. Sorry, and, Brian. And, then out, and then outsiders last. So I'm going to take. <laughs> you gave me the look. <laughs> I'm going to take the Montana State Bobcats. I'm going to go Montana State Bobcats. It looks, there's a chance that Montana State has found their quarterback. And if this team can pass, uh, we're, we're looking at a team that should expect to go the, to the national semifinals. Uh, we need to see more out of Tucker Rovig than one good game against a bad team. But right now, I'm leaning Montana State. Sorry for jumping the gun. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bobcats. <laughs> Alex? Mid Contrarian Lumberjacks, nice. NAU. Then we have Portland State versus Idaho State. I'm going to take the Vikings. 
one of the more interesting games for me because we know so little about both these teams. Um, I'm going to I'm going to lean Idaho State. Um, Idaho State looked pretty tough against top 10 Northern Iowa. Um, you know, they they were actually winning heading into the fourth quarter, uh, but I think it'll be close. So for me, I'm, I'm going Bengals. I'm going to go with my Brian Marceau pick alphabetical Idaho State. Uh, I think I think it kind of depends on who's playing quarterback for the Bengals. Um, I know our, my old friend Gunnar Amos went back behind center and threw three picks this last week in NIU. Yikes. Or you and I, excuse me. Wrong directional school. One's FBS, um, one's FCS. Who gets those yeah, confused? you know, same letters. But uh, I'm going to go Portland State. Next, we've got the team you just brought up. Northern Iowa, number eight, is traveling to Weber State, who uh, is unranked in our official poll. But if you go by the stats poll, it's number five versus number nine. I'm going to actually oh, – I've got to hate picking against the big sky, but I think Northern Iowa wins this. I don't think Weber State has the offense. I'm going to go Weber State because, like Idaho State showed last week, you might not need the best offense to beat Northern Iowa. I have not seen anything out of Weber State yet, and I think that buy might shake them up a little bit. I'm gonna go with you and I. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Weber State at home. Cal Poly Mustangs going to the Thunderbirds of Southern Utah. Cal Poly, easy, no doubt. Put it in the books. Bet the condo. I'm going Cal Poly, but I think it'll be relatively close, partially because Cal Poly might have the worst defense in the Big Sky. But, but got, yeah, I'm, I'm going Mustangs. But they got Jalen Hamler, Chris's fantasy team this week. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your condo's in San Luis Obispo because I bet that too. Let's go with Cal Poly. <laughs> uh, up the Mustangs, Cal Poly. <laughs> this brings us into the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Week two results. TJ wins with a whopping two points. Woo! It's so Ooh. undramatic uh, because dumbass Chris forgot to put his picks in, so he got zero. Um, so, Lawrence, if you want to throw a dog a bone, uh, I would appreciate it. But uh, week four standings for the tub of tub tokens. Number one, Mitch Hopkins, the older brethren of our host here, TJ Hopkins. I, w- I would just like to say there's no collusion. This is full competition. Well, there's definitely not collusion no. because you're – well, actually, you're in second. But um, – Mitch is actually only four points off the total leader. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mitch could win not only the tub of tub tokens, but the like four hundred dollars. There's more serious. And he's a coog. It's way more. And serious. it goes to Kalinsky's hope. So it's like he's freaking fate. And we just covered TJ's in second with twenty six points. So he's five points off Mitch, who's four points off the leader. I can do math. That's nine points. Nice. Uh, then we have a tie for third. Jamie Hill. Nice. Good to meet you this weekend. Yeah, too. good to meet you this weekend. And way to freaking, I think she got eight, eight points last week or something. She shot up the rankings. Uh, her and Connor Lindstrom are tied at 23 points. Uh, and then dumbass Chris down there at 20 because he got zero points last week. Although I think I did the math and I would have gotten six points. So that would have put me tied with you, TJ. But, you know, should have, would have, could have, as they always say, uh, down at Boise State when they talk about field goals against teams like TCU. Mm-hmm. and Anyways, uh, week four, number 17, North. Oh, we're going to go in order, so we're going to go TJ, Chris, Brian, Alex again. Wow, that's like the same order, except TJ's first. Uh, North Dakota, number 17, burst the now unranked by our official ranking system, Eastern Washington. Um, after the start of the season, I'm going to go with the Eagles, Eric, two gloves, Barrier. 
Yeah, you know, this one's tough for me because North Dakota's not bad, obviously, by their ranking. Uh, but Eastern's got to be freaking pissed. And it's in Cheney, so I'm taking the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles. I, I don't think Eastern's as bad as they looked again in the second half against Jacksonville State in the first half against us. Um, they've just got some – they've got a lot of shoes to fill. But, yeah, I'll take Eastern. Uh, I'm going to go Eastern as well, even though I just called them frauds. Uh, I do like them at home in this game. Hey, the Ivy Leagues are back up. We got Cornell versus number 18, Yale. Um, I wish I didn't have to pick against the Big Red. I'm going with Yale. Yale. Reverse alphabetical pick, going Yale. <laughs> uh, Yale. Uh, we've got Maine, who's unranked in our poll, ranked in most polls. First, number three, Villanova. After their win against Townsend, uh, I think they're going to still prove a point. I'm going to go with Nova. There's no N. It's Towson, but I'm taking Nova. Nova. I'm going to take Villanova, too. Um, I, I, I'm surprised Maine's struggling the way they are after how good they looked in the playoffs last year. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, Villanova looks for real, too. Uh, Villanova's going to win this game like they're playing basketball. All right, then we got VMI, the Virginia Military Institute, versus what was, was a top 10 team in Wofford. I know the Terriers scare me, but I'm going to go with them this weekend, uh, Wofford. Uh, and the nickname from TJ, Scary Terry, our new athletic director. Terry I'll Gulak. Take the ter- Gulak. No, Gulak. Thank you. I'm going to take, uh, I think, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking Wofford. I'm taking Wofford only because VMI is the number 226th ranked team in Sagarin rankings. So, yeah. Hey, one win, though. I, I shouldn't have given that away to Alex because that, that should dictate Alex's pick. Forgive me. No, no. I was going to go with Wofford anyway. Uh, I still have respect for them for how they played us in 2015. Yeah, I was going to say, so. Alex played Wofford. Four years ago. Yeah. But we Wofford. beat him. Eat that, Terriers, you son of guns. Anyways, number five, James Madison versus number 20, Elon. Bit of a grudge match because uh, James Madison's told Elon's coach. Uh, JMU. <laughs> Yeah, Dukes blow. I mean, he knows everything about Elon. I'm going Dukes. JMU. Yeah, James Madison's going to roll. Quite the matchup here. Big Sky back at it again. Number six, UC Davis versus number seven, Montana. Um, I am going with UC Davis this week. I think they come back after that loss and, and take a win. I agree. We've seen Montana's melt at home before. Uh Circa Bobcats, Circa Portland State, uh, Aggies. I think when this one, sadly, by a bit. On paper, this is a real close matchup. You know, say, I'm talking about Sagarin rankings because they're in front of me. UC Davis and Montana are 107 and 108 in the nation, uh, which are towards the higher end of FCS. I think it's going to be close. My heart says Montana, but my head says UC Davis. Well, how am I supposed to rank that next week? <laughs> am I taking your head pick? Oh, yeah, sorry, I should have specified, dude. Um, yeah, I'll go UC Davis. <laughs> okay, for the head, UC Davis, but his heart's going with yeah. the Grizz. Uh, oh, sorry, Alex. Uh, UC Davis by a field goal. Uh, we got Sam Houston Bearcats against the McNeese Cowboys. I love this division uh, matchup. Um, great picks, Kyler. I'm going to go with Sam Houston State. Uh, I will say, Kyler, this is probably the toughest game you gave us. I love McNeese, but I'm going to take your hometown Bearcats. And I hope Kyler's still listening to this point. Uh, he probably quit by <laughs> yeah. now. And I'll take Sam Houston State, too. Yeah, Sam Houston State, uh, not bad so far. Both their losses have been by uh, eight points or less, so I'll go with Sam Houston State. All right, and that leads us to game of the week. We did we already we covered that? We did cover that. Uh, so, yeah, you already heard number eight, Northern Iowa versus Weber State. Wow, I missed it. That I missed that this week. All right. Well, what FCS game are you guys watching that isn't 
the Vandals this week. Let's start with TJ. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with just straight-up game of the week. I'm excited to see Northern Iowa, who's taking care of some big sky teams against Weber State, who is ranked high and still got to prove themselves. I'm going to go with Montana UC Davis. I have a really big hate for Montana. so yeah, I'm watching UC Davis and Montana. I think it's going to be great. Um, I I think there's this Montana team has beat the hell out of everyone they've played, but uh, we haven't seen them against a top-tier FCS team. You know, if they're going to threaten for the playoffs or if they're going to make the playoffs, they don't need to win this game, but I think they need to look good. All right. I, uh, you know, Ivy, Ivy's back in, in session here. I'm going to take Harvard versus Brown because, you know, we're the Harvard of the West. I support the Crimson out there. Uh, I'll, I'll go Ivy League this week, Friday night, 4 p.m., Harvard Brown. Mm. All right. Uh, it's that time. Get out your wet naps. It's time for TJ's Wing Corner. And honestly, I ate wings Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. Highlights, I, I, I've already said everywhere I was going to eat. I uh, did Ale House twice, Friday and Saturday, and Kings on Sunday. I would just like to say, sometimes it's not about where you get the wings themselves. It's about who you eat the wings with. Um, had a nice chance to eat wings at the, t- or at the club with Chris Hammond and Taylor Clash um, after the victory on Saturday. And wings have never tasted so effing good than eating them at the club after a Vandal victory. Um, so, yeah, that's TJ's Wing Corner. Boatman, you're going to have to get on again and find some wing spots because I'll, I'll ask you next time when you're on. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I had to say about that. And thank you. Uh, I, I will say there's a bit of drama here because I, after you – disappeared from the club after i double dipped on wings on saturday and then i went to mingles and got wings and mingles and i will say i've never seen bigger wings in my life so i'm sorry wendy and alehouse the amount of wing you get at mingles is the best i've ever seen in the country i just want to they do know. only use frank's red hot though so like sauce wise mingles you could probably spruce it up a bit. I heard the barbecue is a little bit better, but we only judge on buffalo here. This is also uh, Chris participating in TJ's Wing Corner, so thank you. You're right. It's your segment. I'm sorry. Are, <laughs> no. you, are, are you done? I always love when you're in here, man. <laughs> so are, are you yes, done? Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> Closing the bar. Uh, Alex, as the guest, what's going on in your life, man, and how can the people find you? Yeah, um, you know, me and Rico had a podcast. I don't know if we're still doing it. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I looked you guys up the yeah. other day because I, I hadn't listened out. to an episode in a while, and then I, I no, couldn't find it. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, so, well, you know, that's to be determined. Uh, I think he's starting chiropractor school, so he's going to be moving to Portland. But might see a return of Austin Rico punting the ball sometime in February and March. Dragons? In run by Vince McMahon, possibly. <laughs> um, you know, follow me at... Boatman Alex on Twitter. Um, love the Vandals, so I always am talking about that. Uh, that's probably the best one, you know. Hopefully you guys have me back on because I think uh, it's a fun time to be a Vandal, guys. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I know he's been – for you listeners, obviously you guys don't see the, the – I guess how the meat is made. Alex has been pretty much trying – we've been trying to get him on. He's been wanting to get on since about week one, but as you know, we've we've had guests and crap. So it hasn't worked out, and so we're glad we could get him on this week because he's been telling me just about every chance he's had that he thinks this team's going to be special. 
I wish we would have had him on last week, but that would have been a crowded ass podcast. But <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I like the vibes we got going here. And if you're not doing the yeah. thing with Rico, and now that we know you live in the same neighborhood as TJ and I, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, just that out. if not, it'll be more frequent. Maybe we'll see about what, what we can do all time. Me, you already heard. Uh, I've kept the streak alive for Brian and I. We are still the show of record here at Tubbs of the Club with two victories tied with Kyler. Uh, on Big Sky Big Takes. You can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond on Twitter, but mostly tweeting from Tubbs at the club. When I do that goal and go goal to go piece, sorry about the delay on the Eastern one last week, but you know, I was traveling. We went and saw the Moscow High Bears upset the Pullman Greyhounds. That's awesome. Speaking of which, we got two Ellis's that, God, I hope we can get. They might they might overshoot Idaho, but uh, I heard Oregon State's already in one's ear. Man. They're great. I'll, I'll leave it at that. T, TJ? Um, at TJ Hopkins 13. Uh, don't tweet it a lot unless you're at Kyler Neal. Um, but hey. Hey. Um, you'll usually find me on some goofy goofy pictures at Tubs of the Club. I'm the guy wearing the Mace Petrino jersey this week. Find when you go to a home game next weekend or next week or whatever home game you go to, look for the Montucky flag and come find that tailgate because it's a really good time. Um, thank you for everyone who showed up. It was awesome to hang out with Brian. It was awesome to hang out with all of our fans and people who listen. Um, it really meant a lot to us. And, yeah, go Vandals. Yeah, by the way, the tailgate was fun. It was it was cool to see some listeners who, like, otherwise I would just never see them. Um, and everyone who I met, um, both people who are related to, to, you know, people like you, Chris, and then just, you know, the, the listeners, everyone had a good time. Everyone was easy to get along with. So, yeah, uh, we're in the law parking lot. Uh, so definitely come up sometime. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. And I write the Montana Mint newsletter that's available. Uh, sign up at montana-mint.com. It's the best one-stop shop for the entire news of the big sky covering every team. I write the po- power rankings that we publish on tubsoftheclub.com and the montana-mint.com. So really, man, just follow me on Twitter. You'll get all the stuff sent to you. You'd be exactly that. I uh, will. And if we, if you didn't have it by now, I, yeah, I don't know. You're Patrick Starr, who's a vandal. Woot, woot. Uh, I've been living under a rock. Follow at Big Sky Podcast for all BSBN developments and just to get more of Brian, TJ, and myself. Thanks to everyone for listening. It's been another great week. I have it listed because I didn't edit this outline because, you know, producer Jerry. We're playing Northern Colorado next week. That's a lie. We've got Weber State next week at home in the Kibbe Dome, mm-hmm. probably top three because they're going to smoke the pants off the Panthers no matter what I predicted. Um, and then we're going to be a top freaking 15 team, god darn it. Anyways, it's time for the best band. Oh, we forgot to shout out Martin for being at the tailgate. But Martin was at the tailgate. The best band in all the land. TJ, the first person to be in the new ICCU arena because he had to put the football that an eagle dropped into it. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.